0: Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Bless the speaking and the hearing of your word, amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So I was talking with Pastor Pat earlier today and we were discussing you know, what is the, what's the goal uh, of our worship time. In other words, when you walk out of here today, or when you turn off the computer at home, <laughs> uh, what are we hoping is accomplished at the end of that? Uh, and I, I recommended up front. I thought, you know, maybe. Uh, We'll know that we have done what we're supposed to do in our worship time. If when you guys leave here, you're happy and you're high-fiving each other and you're like on cloud nine and and life is great. And Pat said, Ryan, you're way too optimistic. Is that a West Coast thing? And he shut that down. So then he suggested, uh, no, actually, maybe a better goal is that when people walk out of here, they feel inspired to serve, serve the church. We've got signups at Rally Day next week, so there's my plug for that. Right, uh, serving your community, your neighbors. Maybe that that would be the goal. And we thought, well, that's probably not bad, but seems kind of works heavy, you know. Um, and then we realized that Mark, in his gospel, just gave us what the end game is when you when you walk out of here today. Did you hear it described by Ramona in the reading? It was the women when they left the tomb. They were afraid and confused and said nothing to nobody. I can tell you guys are all confused by what I just said. (laughs) That's supposed to be a joke. I knew it would fall flat, but I wanted to say it anyway, because we would know that that is definitely not the goal that we have. We do not want to walk out of our time of worship of God, to hear his word and to receive the sacrament and to sing his praises, We do not want to walk out of here afraid and confused and speechless, right? That's definitely not what we want. And yet, that's how Mark describes the women walking away from the empty tomb. Keep in mind, the empty tomb. They have heard the good news and they are walking away in that way. And I don't think we can pick on them that much because even with 2,000 years of hindsight, uh, this is an issue for us. The cross uh, creates this this struggle for us. As St. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. That's what it is. And hopefully at every point along the way in Mark's gospel, even if the story hasn't been explicitly the cross, hopefully you have heard Pat and I preach Christ crucified and risen for you. That's what Paul says. We know and we believe that the cross means many things profoundly for us. We know that that Jesus on the cross means that we are reconciled to God, now and eternally. There's no separation between us and our Heavenly Father. We know and we confess and we believe that the cross of Jesus means that all of our sin is forgiven. Do you know how it feels to have no accusation against you? That's the truth. In Christ, we know and we believe and we confess that the cross of Jesus means the end of death, that death does not have the final word about us. There are so many more things that we can say, and yet as St. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. And Paul says, mind you, not me, but Paul says that the cross is foolishness to the world. It's a stumbling block. It creates sometimes in our hearts or in the world around us fear and confusion and maybe leaves us speechless, right? All mouths are stopped in that space. And we see today in Mark's gospel that Jesus's followers are not having a mental exercise about what the cross is supposed to mean. They're just experiencing the cross right then and there. And it is disorienting for them. It's disorienting for the disciples. It's disorienting for the women. Uh, it's, it just throws everything into chaos. And I think what Mark is actually wanting us to do, what he's actually trying to do pastorally for us, is he's inviting us to reflect on our experiences of the cross. He's inviting us to reflect on our experiences of the cross and also to hear Jesus' word of comfort. So what about you? What is your experience of the cross? There are three things that stand out to me in Mark's reading today that I think are very relatable to each of us. The first is humiliation. 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 I don't know if any of us here have experienced kind of humiliation into our adult years. That can be a very challenging thing to do. You know, whenever people get up in front of others and receive an award, and they always say, I'm so humbled by this experience. That is not what is happening. They're being glorified, right? They're not being humbled. We know what it means to be humbled. Right to be humiliated in some way. In fact, I think many of us actually have this experience in our youth. I, I feel like to a person when I talk to anybody who has gone through youth, which is anybody that's older than being a youth, that we have some story that we would like to bury in our pasts about humiliation, and we always believe this lie that uh, that youth or children are very resilient. Right, We just deal with these things and then we move on. It's totally not true. It's not true. I mean, I know people in their 60s who are deeply scarred by humiliation in their teens and, and they know it. And, they, and you see it in the way that they react to certain things or are uh, wary of putting themselves out there with other people, being vulnerable with others. To be humiliated is a horrible experience and it's exactly what Jesus said Undergoes on the cross. I mean, his clothes are divided up and they're casting lots for him. They're putting mock uh, language above his head. King of the Jews is meant to mock them. The, the soldiers mock them. People walk by and spit on him and, and accuse him of things. I mean, he knows exactly what that experience is like, just as we do. If you have experienced humiliation in life, you know that Jesus is is with you in that. Another place that we experience the cross in our lives is in suffering. And suffering can be defined a lot of different ways, but for our purposes today, I want to think of it as feeling powerless and acted upon. Feeling powerless and acted upon. Now, kids always feel this way with their parents, that they feel like they have no power or that they're acting up, being acted upon, but maybe we feel like that way uh, in our places of work uh, or in an interaction with someone, you know, when we're try- you know, out and about at a store or something and trying to solve some problem, or if you're on a phone with customer service or something like this, or as we get older and we feel like, you know, our grown children start to make decisions for us without checking with us first, and we feel powerless, We feel acted upon. It's it's passive. It's passion, right? It's suffering. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing on the cross. In fact, people call him out on this, right? You heard it When, when Ramona read for us today. They said, he saved others. Can't he save himself? If you're really who you say you are, climb down from the cross. Take some action. They're crying out for him to do it and Jesus will not do it. He suffers with us. And for us. You have experienced the cross in your life, whether it's through humiliation or through suffering or through bearing the burden of another. Bearing the burden of another. I was just talking with a friend this week who was tearfully explaining to me how he is uh, walking alongside his best friend who is dying. And this best friend of his has no family around him, no other support structure, and it's all on this friend of mine to be with him through that. And he said that they spend a lot of time right now. He's sleepless nights because he's worried about him, and when he's with him, they pray, and they praise God, and they listen, and they have times of quiet, and he is just with him. And he says it's very hard, but he wouldn't have it any other way to bear another person's burdens. To love actually exposes us to bear the burdens of others. And Jesus loves you so much that that's exactly what He does on the cross. He bears your burden. Every one of us experiences the cross. Notice in these descriptions that I have given you of ways in which we experience the cross, just as Jesus' disciples and, and the women at the tomb do, that it's not really a question of if we will have an experience of the cross in our life. It's really a question of how that happens for us. I mean, a lot of times I think, even in kind of the the church way of thinking, that we think of bearing a cross as being something that maybe super-apostle people do, right? Or if you're really stepping up to the plate, then you're really suffering. But really what we see in the Gospels and in life, that to be a human means to experience the cross. And in fact, a lot of times, uh, if you go back in Mark's Gospel, Remember, Jesus has predicted multiple times. Uh, not pre- he's not predicting. He's just telling them what's going to happen. He's not, a, he's not a fortune teller. He says, I am going, this is the reason why I came. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I will rise. And in one of those instances, when he describes this for the disciples, he also tells them that, he says, if you want to be one of my disciples, what will happen is you will deny yourself, you will pick up your cross, and you will follow me. Do you guys remember this? these words from Jesus, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And I've been thinking about those words a lot over this summer as we've read through Mark's gospel, and I think sometimes we have a tendency uh, as the church to make this kind of an extra level of your commitment to Jesus. Right, if you're really, I mean, there's those people who kind of, you know, maybe they listen to the word, maybe they think about Jesus a little bit, but if you're really a disciple, then you will deny yourself, you'll pick up your cross, and you'll follow Jesus. So we just add an extra layer of of effort on you. But when you look at Mark's gospel, something profound actually happens here. Because Jesus says these words to the disciples, right? To Peter and the rest of the disciples. And where are they in the story that we just heard? They're gone. They're gone. All of them. At the moment when Jesus needs them, they have not denied themselves. They are not, in fact, Peter denied Jesus. They are not picking up their cross. They're fleeing, and they are not following Jesus. But you know who does carry this out? This random dude, Simon of Cyrene. We heard him at the very beginning of chapter 15, and he literally does exactly what Jesus describes. And notice what he does here. So he's walking along the way, and they force him to pick up the cross, and he does this. And to me, Simon carrying out these words of Jesus is actually sweet relief to you and I, because it's, the focus here is not about self and our cross, but about following Jesus. It's like St. Paul says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, but the greatest of these is Jesus, following Jesus. And you see that with Simon. Notice, first of all, that when it comes to the crosses that we bear in our lives, you don't get to choose your cross. You don't get to choose it, which means you don't have to create some grand story about your own self-martyrdom. You don't have to go looking for trouble because Simon doesn't go looking for it. He's on his way to work. One translation I read says, on his way to work, and they stop him along the way and they force him to carry Jesus' cross with him. God's encouragement to us is not to go looking for the cross, but simply to be ready to pick it up when it comes. You don't have to go looking for it. Secondly, you don't carry your cross alone. You don't carry your cross alone. The only person in Mark's gospel other than Jesus who actually picks up the cross is Simon. And is it his? No. It's not his. He picks up a cross, but it's not his own to bear. He's actually just carrying it for a time. The total burden will be placed on Christ. And this is why Jesus says... My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's because he takes the burden. It's not yours alone to bear. You don't choose your cross. You don't carry it alone. And Jesus leads you. I imagine as Simon is asked or forced to pick up this cross and follow Jesus, that he literally follows Jesus along the way. He's following Jesus, not to his own end and suffering, but to Jesus who saved others, as the people in the crowd rightly said. Even though they were wrong in their intentions, they said the truth. He saved others, and Simon is following Jesus in that way. And at the very end of the reading that we heard, that's Jesus' invitation as well. He he tells the, the angel that's there at the tomb, tells the women, tell his disciples that he goes on ahead of you. He goes on ahead of you to Galilee, which is where they've retreated to with their tail between their legs. But Jesus is faithful, and he goes ahead of them. You don't choose your cross You don't bear it alone. Jesus leads your way. And so Mark is letting us know today that Jesus is faithful, that his word of promise is enough, that he is risen from the dead, and he leads us through our crosses in this life to life everlasting with him. In the name of the Father and of the Son,